Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Zozo Championship DraftKings picks and preview plus bets towards the end course breakdown. We got it all for you. Joining me in just a second will be Rick Run Good himself, Rick Gaiman. But first, I need to tell you all to smash the like button for the episode. And in the comment section, you tell me your favorite play below $7,000 on DraftKings for the Zozo championship and if you didn't know if you get the monthly membership to fantasynational.com right now you're gonna get it all the way through the master so i highly suggest you do that we got some good full field tournaments coming up well i mean good is subjective but good to win money at because they're full field tournaments unlike this one which is a no cut event then you got the masters which i know you want to play so you might as well put fantasy national and its tools and stats to very good use go to fantasynational.com slash mayo and get yourself a 20% discount on that. Never a better time to join. Football's going on. That has a lot of your attention. Let Fantasy National do the work for you. Go get it right now. Monthly membership. Enjoy it. Also, if you want to find my cheat sheet, it is up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com. Also, my pivot plays are up on FTNDaily.com. Free to use. Highly suggest you go do that. Let's bring in Rick. Rick, you've been doing the grind every single week. What's up, man? Pat, yes, it's golf. Uh, full swing golf for me, man. There's never never a week off. I can't believe we're four weeks away from Augusta. It's going to be phenomenal. But yeah, this is it's a good little stretch of golf we have going on right now. Well, let's talk about the course. We're back at Shearwood CC for the yep. first time since 2013 in a competitive event. And those were barely competitive as it was. It was the Hero World <laughs> Challenge, what's now called the Hero World right. Challenge. It's like a hit and giggle with Tiger and his buddies. It's like an 18-person field. However, when you go back and look at the past champions at that course, you're going to see it's like Zach Johnson, Graham McDowell. Tiger won five times, obviously. Graham McDowell won twice. Jim Furyk is there. At least those are the past five champions. So that's leading me to believe that shorter hitters can compete here. Guys who just have excellent wedges, can drain a few putts, can definitely compete. Also, I found that those specific players, those three in general, you know, Colonial, Sony Open, Heritage, those are courses where those guys pop up and actually end up winning over and over. I guess my question to you is, are we going to see another trend with that sort of player or has golf changed so much in the past seven years that these guys are just negated take bombers yeah golf has changed a lot in seven years believe it or not i i i understand the the correlation i think there's something there unfortunately you know even though and it was seven years ago the last time we saw sherwood on on the the competitive stage they've made a lot of changes since i mean even tiger in his press conference on tuesday was alluding to the fact that they've uh, i mean they've flattened out uh, these greens quite a bit he said they made them more member friendly which if if you can read between the lines that means a lot easier uh, he said it's playing soft he said it's going to to be a lot of birdies on the card with the the five par fives. I, th I think you're just looking at guys that uh, can rack them up, Pat. I mean, just you're probably going to need something a lot lower uh, than I originally thought in the week. I thought this might be mid-teens under par. The more and more that comes out about it, I think we're getting deeper than that. So does that mean we have to load up on bombers or can the shorter hitters just attack these pins just as well as everyone else? Because it's not like the par fives yeah. are like overly daunting in terms of yeah. length. Like, do you expect to see a lot of eagle opportunities or is this going to be a two shot layup kind of course? 
No, I think the, the vast majority of the field is going to be able to get to the par fives or at least up by the green in two. There's not a single par five that's over 600 yards. So it gives some of the shorter hitters options. If they want to lay back to a number that they're comfortable with, 80, 100 yards, something like that, they can certainly do it if they think a, a wedge is the is the best club in their hand. Uh, but I think a lot of these guys are going to go driver, three wood, be up, uh, up around the green in two, and then just try to get up and down from a lot of those situations. So uh, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can play it as, as as always, distance is going to be an, you know advantageous for these guys, but I don't think it's a prerequisite for success this week. Would we think that, not necessarily like accuracy over distance, but it does seem like there is a premium on finding the fairway at those scores? Yeah, I mean, historically, while Sherwood is, um, I mean, it bends both ways. I don't want to say it's it, it can be easier. There's it's a little tricky. There's some elevation changes. Uh, they can put trees in your way if you're if you're off the fairway. And what we've seen, especially from guys, and obviously we'll talk about Tiger at some point. The guys that really do rely on their ball striking, rely on uh, on their approach game. It gets negated a bit if they're constantly playing out of the rough. So uh, if if you know you have a guy like Colin Morikawa, now obviously he hits a ton of fairways so he's not really too much of a concern but you know his biggest attribute is his iron game is his wedge game if he's constantly playing out of the rough I think he uh, puts himself behind the eight ball a little bit so making sure that you're you're in the short grass especially if you know the approach game is your is your biggest strength I think is going to be critical this week Let's talk about the 10K guys on DraftKings. We jump to the very top of the board. Obviously, Dustin Johnson has withdrawn for the second consecutive week, so he doesn't get to take advantage of his father-in-law living on the course. Xander, <laughs> five straight or three straight top five finishes, two seconds in there as well. 11-2 on DraftKings. Rom is 11. Justin Thomas, 10-6. Rory, 10-4. And Hatton has creeped up to the $10,000 threshold. I actually never thought I'd see the day in this kind of field. Good for Terrell. I, I love Hatton, so I'm glad to see him playing really well. I can't make heads or tails of what to do with Xander, mainly because at one point last week, he was running pure on the greens and Tita green. He was the best in yeah. both through two <clears throat> rounds. But if you just go look at his numbers, it's not his irons that have been great. I mean, he, he always drives the ball well, but his chipping and his putting have been off the charts. His short game is just saving his ass and getting him into contention in all of these. That, that has The bottom has to fall out on that soon, doesn't it? I would say yes. So I, I think he can simultaneously be one of the hottest players on the tour right now. And he can also be playing a bit over his head at the moment. So if you look at those putting performances in the last three weeks, the last three weeks are three of his four best putting performances Ever. I mean, we're talking about career, uh, you know, ceiling stuff is what he's been able to do on and around the greens in the last three weeks. Obviously, that goes very far. He can still be a great putter, but it's going to have to come back to the mean a little bit. So now that we've reached, you know, basically absolute critical mass with Xander Shoffley, where he's 11,200, it's the most expensive he's ever been. It might be, you know, if he's coming in at what, 18, 21% ownership, somewhere in that range. I think you put all that together, and, and for me, I'm going to be significantly underweight on him compared to, you know, maybe some of these other guys in the 10K range. I'd, I'd just rather fade and think that he's coming back to earth in a volatile sport. It's not even just the putting. So he's gained over six strokes putting in his past three events, but it's also the around the green game, which is like good for him normally, like just slightly above average, but 3.9 last week, almost six at the U.S. Open. Like 
when you're gaining all over 10 strokes a week on your short game, like that cannot sustain itself. Now we could get into a situation where he regresses back a little bit and gains like three strokes putting, but all of a sudden his approach game is back. And that makes more of a difference in actually having him end up with a win. Like he's a very difficult for me to figure out this week, but just, I think Nicholas course, I think that wedges are going to be a big deal this week on such a short course. That just leads me to Raman Thomas. And, and I can't figure out which one of the two I like better. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually just just roll the dice and, and take Justin Thomas, who, for in my opinion, is the best tee to green player on on earth. Uh, he's kind of proven that time and time again. He won the WGC FedEx St. Jude by losing strokes putting, which is obviously a, a rare event. Uh, and, and it's like he's kind of flying under the under the radar a little bit, you know, with what DJ has done in the last two months, with what Rom, what Xander has done. It's hard to it's hard to remember that Justin Thomas won just like seven starts ago. You know, he finished in the top ten at the U.S. Open. He didn't play all that well last week at the CJ Cup. Still found a way to finish 12th. I mean, he has such a high floor right now, and all he does, you know, all he needs to do go out gain one stroke on the field uh, in terms of, of putting, and he probably finds himself in the top five or potentially winning this thing. So he's just to me feels like this, you know, almost simultaneously the safest and one of the highest ceilings around. He's that good. I love this guy. Yeah, I haven't been playing Rory at all recently, and that's going to continue this week uh, at a place yeah. where you... It's funny because Rory can come out and just be clicking with his wedges and win by like 13 shots because we've seen that happen before, but I have no indication that that's going to happen this week. Like, we just haven't seen it since the restart, basically. Uh, uh 11 straight starts 11 straight starts he has been a pedestrian tour average on his approach which is irons and wedges i mean it's 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 almost unfathomable uh you know the 11 uh, events before the shutdown he was basically gaining a stroke per round he was elite in that approach category now he's tour average it makes a huge deal obviously strokes gained approach one of the most important stats every single week yeah i, I think you're right pat and that's always the argument for rory is that and especially for the top guys you know, they can flip the switch, they can click, they can get right back into form in a moment's notice, but like he hasn't done it in 11 straight. Like, I don't know how much time, like how much more time is it going to take at this point? He's not flipping the switch anymore. He's going to have to figure something out. And then we get down to Hatton, who, if I'm going to play on the idea that I do think that wedges are going to be really important to scoring this week, Hatton, not great with his wedges, great on longer approaches. Then you have Rom on the other end of the spectrum, who's great from really far away from the hole and really close to the hole. It's the middle cluster where he's been struggling a little bit lately. But do you put anything into the Nicholas Design course crossover? Because that would point me to Rom. And it's in California, which always points to Rom. Yeah, I, I think I like the region more than I do the the architect. I think there's a little bit, especially for I mean, you know, Pete Dye courses are are are, are very similar, and guys talk about how you know uh, the greens can run off and things like that. So there is something when you have uh, one des one designer or one architect creating a bunch of different courses. I think there is a a, a level of correlation there, but I, I like the region stuff better, right? I mean, these guys are creatures of habit. They are uh, so in tune with the grain on and around the greens and which way it's going to move and how the ball is going to release out of a fly or lie and things like that. I, I'm much more into the region that we're in. And you're right. I mean, Southern California, John Rahm's got a hell of a resume in the area. He's been, he's been absolutely elite here on the West coast. So I, as much as I love Hatton, uh, you know, he told us last week he was, you know, he was gassed at times. He still finished third. He flew straight back from from Europe to play the CJ Cup. A little bit concerning there, but uh, John Rom feels like he's he's ready to snap into something and start con contending again. So with the way that we've been talking about this, clearly we're on Rom, we're on Thomas. Do I try to construct my lineups with Rom and Thomas in them, or do I have to take one and drop down to save some of that cash? 
the issue okay so the issue there's a good and bad thing about like the sub 7k range you know half of it is like the eight sponsors exemptions from the japanese tour uh it's like the three guys who finish at like the bridgestone open on the japanese like the bottom of the 6k range is really really bad but then at the same time, you have a couple of PGA Tour players in there where you're like, oh, okay, like Adam Long. Well, Adam Long's way better than, uh, you know, Brad Kennedy is. So you can almost kind of get away with that if, if you're willing to just plug in an Adam Long, plug in maybe a Brendan Steele, someone like that. I, I think it might be hard to do. It might be pretty ugly, Pat. Um, I'm not sure I'll be able to do it, but it, it is an interesting week to try. So if we go into the $9,000 range, the most popular player on this slate, I think in terms of ownership projections right now, and you can find that, again, on fantasynational.com slash mail for your discount, Webb and Morikawa are the two guys that people seem to just be gravitating towards. Completely understand it. This seems like at a shorter course that it plays into their hands a little better than a six or 7,600-yard course. But I think I'm just going to go with Morikawa again at 9,800 bucks. Like, his driving has been bad, which is really weird for him because that's such a critical aspect of his game. But I've been betting him every single week. I feel like I can't jump off. He's already won twice for me so far this season. So <laughs> I, actually, I want to spell this out here with you. I, I don't know how your betting has been going recently, but I was just discussing this right before I got on air that I got so much good putt luck and everything like that through the very beginning of the swing season. Everything has flipped on me recently. Like at the beginning when golf returned from COVID, I basically had someone in either the final pairing or the second to last group every single week. And every single week, that guy won. So I had a guy either in the lead, one shot off, two shots off. They played great on Sunday. They ended up winning. Four of the past five weeks, I've had the leader or a guy a shot off the lead. And every single time, they have a fucking disastrous Sunday. It's really bizarre how this works. Yeah, I uh, I feel similar to you. I mean, I, I smashed like the first four weeks. Uh, I had I had a lot on Burger. I had a lot on Web. Uh, I had a lot of things going well. It, yeah, it hasn't been it hasn't been as a good of a run uh, for me recently. But it, it is wonky. I mean, there there's. I know I'd rather have the guy that's in the lead or sharing the 54 hole lead after, uh, you know, after three rounds, but it, it seems like every single week and almost, I mean, we saw it twice. Uh, I think we saw it in round three and round four last week at the CJ cup, like a guy blowing a three shot lead immediately. Like it just, it just disappears immediately. And I feel like we've seen that maybe more in the restart than, than I can remember. It's just, you know, three or four shots evaporating in, a, in the blink of an eye. So back to Morikawa, he's at the top of this $9,000 range. He's lost strokes off the tee in two consecutive events which by the numbers the first time he's ever done that in his career not great but the approach is back he's been putting like absolute trash i'm i'm back on him i don't care how chalky is i'm gonna play him yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, the the two missed cuts in a row, obviously uncharacteristic for a guy who made like 25 straight to start his career. Uh, but fourth in strokes gained approach last week, I think he was eighth in tee to green. He's he's starting to show that like what we would expect to, for for Colin Morikawa to be, and that's even with the off the tee game not going so well. You know, he's not he's not a very good putter historically. Now, when the, when the restart happened, he was, he basically flipped. I think he was like a, almost a stroke better. He was losing about a half a stroke around uh, before the shutdown. He started to figure something out. He was gaining a half a stroke uh, after the restart. Uh, but, but he's historically 
weak on the greens. That's the weakest part of his game. So it's no surprise to see him lose, you know, two strokes putting like he did last week. That's all okay. As long as he continues to pound fairways, if he can get back to that and be as good as he is on his approach game, which uh, which we're seeing right now, Pat. So I think it's very fair to go back to him and and take whatever. I mean, I, I agree. I think Webb's going to be absolutely one of the highest owned guys on the slate. Uh, Morikawa might be a, a decent pivot, but yet still popular. So I would guess that most lineups start Rom. Morikawa, Rom, Webb, Thomas Morikawa, Thomas Webb. Yeah. That would be my guess of the most popular combinations to start the week. The, the four guys that we've really talked up so far, too. It, it seems like everyone's on the same train of thought this week. Does that lend any credence to, hey, maybe you want to start your team Xander Rory and work from there? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's, I, I think it opens up some opportunities. It gives you a chance to be unique. I mean, how, how I'd rather pivot in the nines too. Like I'm, I'm happy to go get Patrick Reed. Like I, I think Patrick Reed might be, uh, both in his outright number and on, on DraftKings, uh, one of the most, I don't want to say mispriced guys, but under underpriced guys. I mean, here's someone who you have to remember, there's such a, there's such a recency bias in the game that we play where, uh, you know, Reed didn't play the CJ cup last week. The last time he did play, it was on the European tour, he which great. he finished third. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And that's a stacked field. It's a, it's a premier event for them. Uh, played well at the U.S. Open. And and remember, like as much as you might hate Patrick Reed, he is a low-key big-game hunter, right? Like six of his eight wins on the PGA Tour are uh, two WGCs, two playoff events, the Masters, and the Tournament of Champions. I mean, he can win fields like this, four rounds guaranteed, uh, best players out there. Go out and win, young man. So uh, I, I, I like Patrick Reed as probably one of my favorite pivots in that 9K range. Yeah, the the problem with him is he's still garnering ownership. So if we look at the entire 9K range, the first two guys we mentioned, Morikawa, and then it goes down to Webb, then it is Patrick Reed. I'd rather play Reed over Webb Simpson this week. I'm probably going to end up betting Patrick Reed. The, like the pivots who aren't coming in with ownership, Finau at 95, Cantlay, Hideki, and Hovland. And then people are going back to Matthew Wolf this week, it does seem, where yeah. I, I don't know what to make of it. The stats tell me that I should go back to him, but... He was a disaster last week. I think I, out of all those guys, Finau's coming in as the lowest owned. I know he's coming off. He tested positive for COVID. He's been off for two weeks. I don't, I mean, we saw it with Scotty Scheffler, did not return in great form whatsoever. But at the same time, like, I still think that Finau is an elite player. Like, him or Hovland seem like the two to me that I would go to. Yeah, Hovland, I think is my favorite. Um, he's just one of your one of your tee to green killers, and I think he's got back to back top fifteens. And it was very quiet, right? I mean, sometimes sometimes guys go out and they shoot a, a sixty three on Sunday, and then everybody gets all all excited for the next week. But there's a lot of value in just putting together four solid rounds uh, from tee to green, finding yourself in the top fifteen, and moving on to next week because you kind of fly under the radar a little bit. Uh, I think Finau is interesting, right? It, it's it's kind of funny, right? If he just took two weeks off, we wouldn't care anything about it. The fact that he tests positive and was kind of forced to take two weeks off all of a sudden we we care more about the the shape of his game so i i, I don't know i i think he is a decent pivot i mean he was on a run where you know you could argue he probably should have won a couple of times in the restart he was finding himself in the final group constantly he was playing phenomenal so uh, i certainly uh, don't mind that but but Hov hovland is probably the guy for me yeah i think i'm going to be on a hovland too what are his odds this week 30 35 that sounds about right. I think I saw him at 33 uh, last night. Let's see. Let's see. On DraftKings Sportsbook right now, he's 33 to 1. Yeah. I, don't, I don't hate that because I'm still trying to figure out. I've only made one bet so far this week, and that's a guy in the $8,000 range. It was my first click of the week. Actually, I made two because I, I always bet Kevin on. I, I found a lingering 150 on him. He's down to 80 now, so I feel good about that one. If you're like, I've already won in the odds game, Rick, despite the fact that he's probably going to come in like last place. But... 
just looking at this range, you have the guy at the very bottom at 9,000, who's won five times at this course. We haven't seen him since the U.S. Open when he was trash, but Tiger's not generating a lot of ownership, and I think that Tiger does play well this week. Oh, man. I, I don't know what the evidence that Tiger plays well is. Um, I, I will I mean, say the, is that if he yeah. spent this time figuring out his putter and he just gains, like, field average, zero strokes gain putting, he's going to be a whole lot better than he's been. Now, he also did say in his press conference, which I don't know what he was supposed to say, but he said he feels a lot better than he did and his game was in a lot better shape than it was at the U.S. Open, which obviously it, it wasn't great. He, he what missed the cut or whatever. Like that's I don't know what he was supposed to say. I don't know if he's lying to us. Um, I, I think it's interesting, right? So there's two things about Tiger. He's lost, he's lost strokes putting in five of his last six. So I think it is a big if to say if he can get to, to field average. He's been tinkering with the longer putter so that he can practice more uh, to kind of not great results. Uh, but the thing for me is, is kind of what I alluded to at the top when we were talking about Sherwood is uh, at 2020 version of Tiger Woods has one very elite skill set. It's the approach game, put an iron in his hand, put his wedge, a wedge in his hand. Uh, he still has great distance control and he's one of the better players on tour in that category, but he loses that advantage at a lot of courses if he's constantly playing out of the rough. And, and that to me is, is the big concern is, is he going to hit enough fairways to take advantage of the one part of his game? that is so good and then also if he can do that can he figure out the flat stick that he hasn't been able to figure out in the entire calendar year of 2020 i think that at this course because it's not like there's you basically take off 500 yards from a regular par 72 or 400 that he doesn't feel the need to go out and try to bomb with everyone else obviously he's going to be hitting driver maybe he starts hitting stingers off the tee just to get it into the middle of the fairway or where you need to get it to to get the proper angle in. But I think this is a course that is going to be a second-shot course. Like, who can hit it to 10 feet the most and make the most putts? And I do think that his irons are still, like you mentioned, amongst the elite in the world. And if that's the case this week, he's definitely going to compete. And he's very familiar with this course. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Five wins, five runner-up finishes. I mean, this is. Um, I, I have this like conspiracy theory that when they were when they were uh, like planning to move the Zozo, anyway, they just called up Tiger and said like, "Hey, where can we guarantee like you play this? Like, where do you want it?" And he was just like, "I'll just put put it at Sherwood. Like, we'll go play there. Like, it's the absolute perfect spot for him." So I get it. I just think you're asking for maybe two or three different ifs. And and how about this? I mean, we're four weeks out from Augusta. He's told us that he has spent time in competitions before. You know hitting some, uh, you know, hook shots or, you know, trying out shots that he wants to use at Augusta that he might not uh, necessarily want to try at Sherwood, but trying to keep his game in shape and get ready for, for the Masters. I always find that stuff, like, they always said that about <laughs> Phil at the Houston Open the week before, but, like, Phil had gone out and, like, won the Houston Open twice yeah. as well doing that. So, if I mean, if he's testing out his shots for Augusta, but he's hitting them well, it's not going to matter. That's true. If he, if he tests it out and it, and it works, then it, it, it plays at both Sherwood and it plays at both Augusta. So I get it. Uh, I just think I think there's a couple of layers here that uh, have to go right. It just narrows the path to success for Tiger a little bit. That's all. Well, just it does appear like Cantlay, Tiger, Finau and Hovland, Big Dick Vic, as we like to call them, are going to be like the 10 percent or lower type players yeah. in this 9K range. So you can really pick your poison. I think I'm with you. Vic is probably my favorite option, but I'm really curious about Tiger. The other big thing, too, I think that we get into, I mean, you're in the area ish, right? Yep. Yeah, this is um, so this place is about 35 minutes uh, outside of, of Riviera. So I'm about an hour from here. So, yeah, this is very much uh, close to home for me. Well, let me ask you. What's the weather like? 
Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, every single day is, you know, it's been, it's been 85 and sunny every day for the last six months. So it's, it's, it's pristine. It's pure. I was actually surprised to hear that Tiger said it was soft out there. They must be uh, laying a lot of water on it. I don't know if they'll stop watering it as much throughout the week, try to firm it up, get a little faster. But uh, yeah, I was surprised to even hear him say it was, it was playing soft because of how uh, nice and dry it's been. So if that's the case, isn't that an advantage for Tiger? And maybe he looks a little bit better than he did in upstairs, just outside New York City in the middle of September or in Illinois at the end of August, where like the kid, like it wasn't super hot then. I'll tell you what, I think the, um, the storyline that we we're, we're not talking about as much anymore, which is a good thing is, is we haven't even really mentioned Tiger's health in a while. I mean, I remember when it was like PGA championship and they were, you know, right on the water there in San Francisco. And I was like, Oh my God, how's he even going to get warmed up in the morning? He's got to play at seven 50 AM. He's toast. Like we haven't even really talked about his back in a while, which I think is really good. And he's played at some places that are not, uh, you know, 95 hot and humid in Florida, like he likes it in. So I, I think it is a really good sign that the body is at least uh, good enough. Right. I don't know how it impacts his practice time, but uh, he's looked good every time he's teed it up since basically the PGA championship. I do think that the warmer conditions do lend an advantage. That's the one thing I'm concerned about with him at Augusta uh, in November. Like it's not going to be like frigid, but you're going to get out there in the mornings. And we've seen like a few I'm uh, this is completely off topic because I'm really trying to dig into how (laughs) Augusta is going to play this year. And do we think it's going to end up playing like the year that like Willett and Zach Johnson won when it was like the longer hitters didn't have as big an advantage this year because it was so cold. The ball wasn't traveling as far. Guys were just stiff. They were hitting it into the woods. Like, could it be one of those years? We're obviously not going to know what the temperature is going to be. It could be unseasonably warm. It could be unseasonably cold at the time. But if it is unseasonably cold, then it's a completely different ball game for a lot of these guys. Yeah, you, it's 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 the weather, and then the the wind switches. I think it switches to a north wind. And actually, I mean, Tiger was uh, he was almost um, I don't want to say dejected when he was asked it about he's, he was asked about this in a press conference about how Augusta National plays in November. He said, "Yeah, I've played it a couple times there," and he was kind of dejected a little bit. And he said he hit driver three wood into one. He hit driver three wood into eighteen. It just plays a lot longer. The wind's kind of in your face and against you uh, much more often. The ball clearly doesn't fly as far. So yeah, you're you're right, Pat. I think when you get to November in Georgia, uh, you know, Augusta National can do its best to put a bubble around that place, right, and make it look green and, and have it in, in prime shape, but it's not going to be able to control the weather with however much money they have. So I, you are a bit just rolling the dice on what kind of week it's going to be. And I think that greatly impacts uh, Tiger. It impacts a lot of the guys in the field. It might help some of the Euro guys who are used to it. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a big storyline in, in four weeks from now. $8,000 range, my pick to win, my one and done pick. My first bet on the board was Daniel Berger this week at $8,900. If I'm going to play my corollary, he won at Colonial, then he came top five at Heritage. You always prefer him on Bermuda, but it really hasn't been that huge of a split for him in terms of his putting. And so he's either on or off, it appears. Yeah. And he's just been kind of lingering for a while uh, since having that nice run. He withdrew from the Travelers after that, and he's been good ever since. He's now down in price a little bit. Uh, you can still find him at like 35 to 1 in some spots, as, as high as 39 in some spots as well, if you really do shop around a little bit. I just like him at this course a lot this week. I think it sets up really well for him as someone who makes a lot of birdies, and he's not someone who's a disaster on the greens. Like, even when he's putting poorly, it's like minus 1, and that kind of thing. And if he gets going, it's like plus 7. 
Yeah. Oh, he, and he, I mean, he's so solid, right? He gains strokes in all four categories. Can you imagine uh, what happens to Twitter when he wins this thing and he's like the eighth ranked player in the world and he's still not in Augusta in, in November? Like it, it's going to explode on itself. It's going to be wild stuff. Well, him or Harris English, <laughs> the two guys that aren't in. Yeah. Which, which by the way, Harris English. Okay. So uh, like, especially in four round events, I love these grinders, right? I mean, English went out uh, last week at the CJ cup. I think he was a couple over par on Thursday. Uh, you know, I look him up Sunday evening and he's got himself a, a top 10, right? The guys who are able to just grind it out over the course of the week. I think there's a, a couple of different types of players that are, you know, things, things go South on Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon. And it's kind of just, I'll just stay here and, and, and collect my check in a couple of days. But uh, Harris English, who has been, you know his cut streak uh, just ended two weeks ago or two starts ago he had the longest active cut streak on the pga tour uh, he's just he's just in a really good spot right now and i'm not sure people realize it as much as they should everyone at the beginning of the week and throughout the weekend after seeing bubba watson stats really seemed like they wanted a piece of bubba watson the ball striking has been off the charts good yeah. so basically over the past three months uh has not drained a putt since but either way I think I'd still rather bet him at Augusta than bet him here. It's so weird. I, I mean, the, the, yeah, he's gained basically 11 strokes from Tita Green in each of his last two starts. It's It's been phenomenal. The putter is... And, and God forbid you catch a sh- you catch him putting on the telecast. It's it's even uglier than the stats look. It's so bad. The guy never even sniffs the hole. Uh, I might agree with you. Um, it's a weird situation where, you know, Bubba has, what, a, a Hall of Fame resume at three courses, uh, Augusta National, Hi- River Highlands, and, um, Riviera. and Riviera. Yeah, and it's just like anywhere else is almost toxic to him. So I, I get it. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of in on Bubba as well. I just – if I'm going to just be a, a – a dog to the tee to green stuff. Like I am, I think sometimes I'm just going to have to, to, you know, to swallow this and play Bubba, which I don't usually like playing Bubba uh, in general, especially outside of one of those three courses, but the numbers are, are so good right now. Just like, just put like minus one for the week and see what happens. Well, he lost a stroke and a half last week on the greens and it generated a top 10. So if he there can just go. be neutral, it's going to be like a top <laughs> three and if he gains like two he's probably gonna win and this is an area like you said it's a half hour away from riviera no idea how that affects him although it's not poa it's bent grass greens at least that's what it's saying on the uh on the report so i I don't know really what to make of it uh with him it seems like he's gonna be too popular i'm just gonna fade him in fact i'm gonna fade most of this eight thousand dollar range the only one that actually the two guys that generate the most for me here in terms of interest are fitzpatrick and neiman yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big Neiman guy. I mean, what what we've seen from him, and I I actually will, you know, we we can talk about this later. But I, I snatched up a little bit of of Neiman at fifty to one. Um, he he has a he. I mean, he's so young and he's so volatile. He's only twenty one years old. What we've seen him do is we've seen him go absolutely insane really low rounds like a handful of times already in the restart it seems like he's always flying up the leaderboard on a saturday flying up the leaderboard on a sunday he's such a great ball striker now he has a very unique swing he has a lot of levels and things going on it can go it can go sideways pretty quickly pat but i like guys that are in this range have a lot of upside to make a lot of birdies and he's won a golf tournament on the pga tour before he's not afraid to be in this position contending with these guys uh, i think it's a really good spot fitzpatrick i'm a less a little less keen on you know i i understand it 
Uh, I think that his game translates well to somewhere, somewhat a place like Sherwood, as opposed to a lot of other courses. But uh, I don't know. I just seem to get him wrong all the time. Yeah, I've actually been using him more. I've backed off my stance that like I really dislike Matthew Fitzpatrick. The iron game has just been so good. He's been losing a ton of strokes around the green, which is really funny for someone who yeah. people in the like, and it's kind of bared itself out like over the past like year and a half that he's not great around the greens although that's the what we think of him in our minds like oh my god just up and down automatic it's because he makes so many putts now he hasn't been doing the oh i'm gonna gain nine strokes putting and that's how i'm going to be like living the entire way but he's gaining off the tee he's gaining on approaches and he's gaining minimally on the greens and almost like Berger, i know he's a guy who can go nuclear in any given round on the greens that if these are going to be flat, like easy ish greens, like he's yeah. someone who could gain 10 strokes putting this week. That is scary. It is scary that when I heard tiger say that they, they made them member friendly. I was like, Oh my God, like it's, this is going to turn into a putting contest, you know, go hit it to 18 feet and see who can roll the most in. And if that's what it ends up being, I, I there is definitely uh, something advantageous about playing a Matthew Fitzpatrick or a guy who could, I mean, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick in his last seven starts, tw- once he's gained eight strokes, putting once he's gained 10 i mean even to have that upside is incredible um if it turns into a putting contest for sure and i just don't think that anyone is going to play him in this range no (laughs) i don't think so either so if i'm going to go super chalky at the top with the four guys that we talked about at the very beginning he seems like a very logical third person in my lineups yeah, I think so too. Um, what do you think about Russell Henley? I mean, I, pass. I, I, the, no, pass. Yeah. He, he won me all the monies last week until he didn't anymore because I didn't win all of the monies. But I go in with a three shot lead. I got Russell Henley at 90 to one. He's an anchor on all six of the lineups that I played on DraftKings last week. So I went from, I had him top 10, top five, and to win. Obviously, he cashed the two of them, but he cost me like 2K by not winning. And at one point on Sunday, before he absolutely gagged it all away, him and Keegan, who ended up bogeying for the final five holes. I was up to like, I was winning like 7K on DraftKings and I won my money back when all was said and done. So fuck him. Yeah, I, I agree. $1,000 more expensive uh, now on everybody's radar. Like, it, 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 don't chase it, right? I mean, we go, we'll, we'll, we'll check in with you, Russ, uh, at Houston and see how it's going. And even in the upper 7K range, I like the, I mean, the name value is a lot better for one thing, but I also just like these guys a little bit more. Like, what do you do with Day, who was playing great until, I don't know, he went to the Roxbury the night before and hurt his fucking neck? I have no idea. I was actually, I mean, I was kind of expecting him to pull out of this event if it was just the matter of him just sleeping on it wrong. Yeah, he was in the top 10. He was, uh, he was, I think he was 10 under. He was a couple of shots back heading into Sunday, makes triple on his first hole and pulls out. I I don't know what to do. I, I think the answer is if you can just stomach it, you should probably go back to him. He was one of the better players from T to green. I think he was one of only, uh, at the time that he withdrew, uh, I think there was three guys in the top 20 last week that were, losing strokes putting it was day it was bubba and it was somebody else that i can't think of off the top of my head so like statistical profile looks good he was playing well you're gonna probably get him at a, at a real low number because it's classic jason day with a wd here so i think if you can stomach it you'd probably be smart to go back because it's not like he's gonna play he's he's, he's not gonna tee it up if he's not ready to go this week right so if he doesn't triple bogey the first hole does he withdraw or does he withdraw because he has a sore neck and that's why he triple bogeys? 
I don't know. I would, I would, I'll give him the benefit of the benefit of the doubt because he was playing so well that the neck caused the triple and and then caused the WD instead of kind of the other way around. So um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt of the doubt on that one. He was he was at nine point eight strokes gained from T to green, which he would have. He would have been third in the field last week, and remember, he didn't play his last 17 holes. So obviously, that could have gone a couple different ways. But uh, I'll give him the benefit of, of the doubt. I'm not seeing a ton of ownership in the 7Ks whatsoever. It appears like Munoz might be the highest owned guy at 7,200 bucks. Like he is the first like cost saving player that people are just pounding into their lineups. And Munoz is playing great. If he can win the Masters, Rick, I'm going to be a very rich man after catching the books with a really bad 25. Oh, that's right, 2,500 to one. <laughs> uh line on him to win yeah. even if he just comes inside the top five it's like fantastic this is great news uh he, i think uh, he's down well, to like 175 to one now but like you got rose casey day yeah. no one <laughs> phil mickelson coming off a win on the senior tour uh cam yeah. smith people actually seem to be gravitating towards and then woodland coming off the worst driving performance of his life and one of the worst of anybody's life in the last like six years. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. He's dealing with a, I think he said a, a torn labrum in his hip. And I guess he's going to just continue to play through it, obviously impacting his game quite a bit. Yeah. The, 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 especially the bottom half of the seven K range is a ton of question marks. It's a ton of quite frankly, older guys, which um, a lot of these guys have played in the, the world challenge now called the hero world challenge at Sherwood, right? Like Phil's teed it up there. Uh, I think Rosie's been in it a, a handful of times, but I, I, I have to endorse the Sebastian Munoz play as well. You know, I was shocked. I, I was, you know, doing my stuff Sunday night and checking everything out. And I had to like the data feeds are coming through. And I'm like, no, like Sebastian Munoz did not finish ninth in that event. I didn't see a single shot of him. I didn't even consider him all week long. Uh, sure enough, he just goes out, shoots like two or three under par every single day and, and finds himself in the top 10. And you put that into what he's been doing, you know, in the, in the playoffs, uh, playoff events at the end of last year through the U S open where he made the cut. I mean, it, it, it seems like that if you're going to get him for Augusta, uh, he's de definitely in some of the best form he's been in uh probably since he won in what jackson last year yeah he won the sanderson last year didn't he yeah he did <laughs> then your boy lonto won the next week in houston but lonto's gearing up for his title defense right now baby yeah he, he's practicing his shots for the houston <laughs> open that's a new course this year though isn't it uh yeah it's in, i i believe it's in like downtown if i remember correctly it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see that and they're gonna let two thousand people in so it'll be like doubly weird if it's a downtown course and we start to see a handful of fans around the course it'll be interesting yeah, even with a handful of fans i was wondering this like the the rate of getting like it's outdoors you're playing golf and if there's only gonna be like two thousand people around i would yeah. guess that the rate of transmission of covid is going to be incredibly low almost probably i don't want to say non-existent for the players because it's not like you can be around the players anyway but if you're yeah. one of these very elite guys and test a positive test would knock you out of the masters would you just say fuck it i don't need to play this tournament anyway yeah, so I'm no Dr. Fauci, but I certainly would not be playing, uh, like, especially if you are Rory. You are like you are trying to get your career grand slam done. Like There are only so many cracks at Augusta that you get. And we say this about all Masters. There's only so many cracks that you get. There is no reason for you to play Houston, even if it increases your chances by 1%. And it you, might not increase your chances I was gonna say, by it might, it might be like 0. .0001, but why even take... like? Right. It, Houston means nothing to you. You can go practice by yourself at your, like, buy out the co yep. a course for a day and go practice all the shots you want. Like, it just doesn't seem worth the risk if the Masters is what you care about. 
if I was Rory, and I think what what you might see for some, I think I think Brooks is going to play Houston, but like you you play this week, you lock yourself in your home for the next three weeks, and we'll we'll check you out when we when we get down to to Georgia. Yeah, I think, uh, and it'll be interesting, right? I mean, two thousand people over the over a giant course like that, and I'm sure they'll have certain designated areas. It's it's probably not that much more, but again, what the 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 risk that you bring into it is is not worth it to miss Augusta National. No, like it would almost because I thought this was going to be a thing. I know they weren't letting fans in about like the WGC and it didn't really seem to affect anyone that the that if it was the week before the PGA championship, like, Oh, let's just not play this week, go to San Francisco. And then like, I'm going to be fine. There's no risk whatsoever. So maybe the players just don't care. Like it's yeah, they're, they're, the risk is so minimal that it's worth it to me to get these practice strokes in. Yeah. And you're definitely not going to see any autographs being signed. You're not going to see anybody dapping anybody up. Uh, I, I think it'll just be like an awkward 2000 people standing somewhat far away from where the players are walking and just kind of taking it. It'll be interesting. I think I'm going to play Jason Day. I think I, I think I might too. <laughs> I think yeah. I kind of convinced myself into it. <laughs> I got I got him at three percent ownership right now. Yeah, that's worth the risk of him having another neck injury and 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 WD. I mean, yeah, he he was he was really he was really great last week, and and I think I can go back to him. I can stomach it. Scott and answer at the very high end of this range. Yeah, we haven't seen them in a while. No, uh, we haven't seen Scott since my goodness. U.S. Open. P- yeah, U.S. Open. Okay, right. He's only and he's played like three times in the restart, something like that. Because uh, I think his first start was the PGA Championship. Yeah, I don't know what his ceiling is anymore. Um, obviously, the sweet swing it translates to a bunch of different courses. There's not a lot of uh, awesome natural fits for him, but I do wonder what his upside is at this point in his career. Is it a is it a top ten? I mean, I don't know when the last time we saw him finish in the top ten is. Well, but he won. It, he won. He won at Riviera. That that oh, was that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's. That's right. I remember that was a, just an absolute uh, the Sunday of carnage and uh, Harold Varner, the uh, third cold topping one off 10 on Sunday. Um, yeah, that, I guess I guess. Wow, that feels like a million years ago, but it was only in February. So uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does have more upside in the bag. He just he hasn't been priced down enough for me, like at seventy nine hundred. And he's going to be very popular. People love playing Adam Scott because he's a fantastic player. And yeah. I think the fact that he won at Riviera after not having played already in the season leads people to believe that he doesn't need any warm-up time or anything like that. So they're not afraid to go to him. Whereas someone like Day, like if I play 10 lineups this week, I'll probably play Day in like three of them. If those three get WD, then you know that's my own fault for playing Jason Day. But I think I'd rather play Day at a cheaper price at one-fifth the ownership of Adam Scott. Yeah, it's a calculated risk with, with Jason Day, and I think it's one worth, worth taking. Lonto. Your flow chart has if he's above seven thousand dollars, you play him. If he is below seven thousand, or if he's above seven thousand dollars, you don't play him. If he's below seven thousand dollars, you automatically play him. Now they have fucked you, Rick. He is exactly seven thousand dollars. Yeah, it's broken. He, he, they, it's a glitch in the matrix. The whole thing gets thrown out the window. I, I mean, it's 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 interesting for a couple of reasons. So what he did last week was uh, very much thanks to a hot putter. Now, he, he he struck the ball well. He was, I think, top 10 in strokes gained approach for the week, but he was also one of the hottest putters. So that's how you kind of get the combination of uh, him finishing in the top 10. Usually he's a, a decent putter. He can, he can rock, rack up a lot of top 20s. Um, I, I kind of like going back to him. I mean, the price didn't jump up uh, enough. He's still at a $7,000 uh, price tag. And 
What I like about him is this is kind of counterintuitive, but the I think he was even par 72 on Sunday at the CJ Cup, which is probably going to feel like a disappointment for him. Uh, but all in all, it's still a, a T7, which is a great finish at any event for Alonzo Griffin. It's a great finish when you put together 78 of the best players in the world. So uh, I like kind of running him back here. You know, if he would have finished better, we might have seen him up in the $7,500 range. Um, you know, I, he's playing well right now, a little bit of a hot putter, but the rest of his game's not so bad either. So let's jump into the sixes because I actually really like this range, which means my stars and scrubs lineup are probably going to be an absolute disaster because I so rarely like the 6,000s. And again, smash the like button. Tell me your favorite play below $7,000. This is the range that we're talking about. Like I told you, I bet Kevin Na at 150 to 1. I don't necessarily love him at 80 to 1 where he is now, but if it's going to be fairways and wedges and a hot putter, that's kind of his game. Uh, Byunhan Ann. Plays Nicholas courses really well. The ball striking is back, if people haven't noticed. It's been offset by losing seven strokes putting every single week, and why would that change? But if the greens are easy and the ball striking is back, this could be a spot for him. I think I might play him and bet him. He is the president, uh, vice president, treasurer of Team No Putt. I mean, the, it, it's 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 really insane how bad of a putter he is, and it's like not even close. You know, I've made fun of Sergio for a while, uh, but, and, and the but Sergio just won, but Sergio just I, won. I know that's why I kind of like I'm like. All it takes is one week and all it takes is to not be like the worst putter in the field, which for, for Ben on, it looks difficult at times, but you're right. There is a lot more evidence of someone being a, you know, ranked 180th in putting and having a top 10 week and winning than there is of someone being like 180th in ball striking, having a top 10 week and winning. So I, I continue and will likely continue to, to enjoy Benny on shares for sure. Ben Ann was essentially like lesser Bubba last week. If everyone's all aboard Bubba and hoping that he can turn around his putter, which seems just as likely as Ben Ann turning around his putter, <laughs> you just get like a three thousand or $2,000 discount on the same guy. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. He gained 6.6 .6 strokes from Tita green last week. He lost 6.2 putting. Yeah. I mean, it's, is basically uh, uh, the cheaper version of, of, of Bubba. I could get behind that. Yeah, and looking at it right now, um, so the, the guys that I'm really targeting in this range, uh, I might go to Cameron Champ as well. So guys inside the top 10 over the past three months in opportunities gained. And opportunities gained, if people don't know, is a fantasy national stat which has approaches, approach shots from inside 20 feet on the fringe or the green in regulation. So giving yourself an eagle or birdie putt from the fringe or green inside 20 feet. I, I like it because guys can make 20-footers. That, that, that's what you're looking for in a round. It, no one's going to hit it to two feet every time and just go tap it in. You need to give yourself ample opportunity to make birdies and then start making 15-foot putts. So the guys in the sixes over the past three months that rank inside the top 10 in this field in opportunities gained, champ is seventh. Ann is fifth. Connors is 11th, so we'll fudge it with him. Hoagie is fifth. Your guy, Adam Long, who you brought up, is actually 17th. Yep. And Joel Damon is 16th. I think that's just the route that I'm going to take down here. What I like about that um, is a couple of things. There is a clearly a huge difference between those players that you just named that are PGA Tour touring professionals and some of the guys that are just a couple hundred dollars cheaper that are getting in on some really 
kind of wonky sponsors exemption. So I think you get kind of built it like there's when we look at pricing and we see, you know, the peers around them, those guys are significantly better. So that's one reason that I like that. Another reason that I like it is it, it does allow you to tap into the stars and scrubs approach. And especially when, you know, Dustin Johnson is priced into this field and now he's not playing. So there is a bit of a void. It makes the top 10 or the, the, the 10K range just a little bit smaller. It, it does become more enticing to take a stars and scrubs approach. So those are two reasons, Pat, that uh, I can certainly get behind. And, and, and it's tough, right? You know, what's the difference between an Adam Scott and a Kevin Kisner and a Brian Harmon and a what, you know what I mean? Like you, you, it's really thin margins down there, but it opens up a couple of different opportunities for you. That's a really interesting name you threw out is Kisner, because at the comp courses that I kind of laid out, Kisner dominates them. He's back on bent, which is where yeah. you want Kevin Kisner. And if it is a wedge fest, you know he's going to hit every fairway. It's just he's been playing like trash. Him and Kucher, like this is perfectly set up for both those guys if they were playing like peak versions of themselves. Yeah, if you go back to the restart, so if you open it up to, I think we're at, you know, 10, 14 events, something like that. Uh, if you go back to the restart, Kisner has actually been the best strokes gain total of anybody under 7,000 in this field. He's about 25th out of everybody. Now, a lot of that came, I feel like it came earlier. I feel like he hasn't been as good uh, recently, but there is a couple of things you can hang your hat on. You mentioned um, you mentioned the the, the bent grass and, and, and things like that. So uh, I, I think he's certainly appealing at only 6,800. No, Ben and 200 to 1. Ooh. I think I'm going to bet that. Uh, when we get to the bets, I'm just going to lock that one in right now. Uh, that's much better than I found on all of the other books, too. Hmm, interesting. Like it a lot. Uh, it's going to be a loser. I'll bet him top 10, too, at 11 to 1 to go with it. But yeah, I think I'm just going to take a shot on these like ball-striking guys in the sixes, load up with them, and just play pure stars and scrubs. <laughs> like That's going to be my move. And, Fit and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Star Scrubs and Matthew Fitz. Yeah, I I think it's fair. I I would if if I can figure out a way to do it. I I want to take stars and scrub. I want to take that approach. Uh, I think it's I think it's the way to go this week. So uh, yeah, I just I'm gonna have a really difficult time deciding between the guys that you mentioned. Right? I mean, it's Long, it's Damon, it's Hughes, it's Corey Connors. I guess Hughes isn't a ball striker, but you know what I mean. Like all well, those guys. Well, to well, me Hughes, are Hughes is Mr. Nicholas Course. I might actually use Mackenzie Hughes this week, and I fucking hate Mackenzie Hughes. I kind of love Mackenzie. He's so, he, no, he is the most <laughs> tilting player on tour because I never use him. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, unfortunately he does it via the short game, and, but he's had good results and he does it at uh, difficult courses. He does it in tough fields. You know, I think uh, what he played CJ Cup last week and he didn't play well. That was his first start since his third place finish at it had to be Punta Cana. So, I mean, it, yeah, I, I, I'll probably go back to him, forgive and forget a little bit. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, fourth in this field over the past three months in Eagles gained, ninth in birdies gained, 55th in opportunities gained. How about that guy? He's putting Canadian. like he's putting like Spieth did in like 2016. Oh. Can we talk about Spieth for a second? Let's do it. I, I, we might have to, I, I hope we're recording this. I'm not sure I've ever said this before. Uh, I kind of like Jordan Spieth this week. I was going to say, I was going to say, I kind of like Jordan Spieth at the Masters <laughs> with the way that it's setting up. <laughs> here's here's my issue okay there is a big difference between what jordan spieth is doing on the course at a pga tour event which is dog shit and then there is a, a difference between what he's doing in fantasy scoring which is actually pretty good so to put this into perspective he was 38th he tied for 38th last week the cj cup he was 13th in draft king scoring because he is so volatile so likely to get on birdie streaks rack up all these all these birdies and then offset them with a double or a triple where that's much more penal on the PGA tour than it is on DraftKings, And then now at 6,900, I could only find one other 
uh, one other tournament in his career that he was cheaper than this. And it was the 2018 hero world challenge, which Pat only 18 guys in the field. The pricing is always a bit wonky. So this is for all intents and purposes, the cheapest Jordan Spieth has been in like four years, at least makes a lot of birdies. Like I, I, I don't hate it. He can't miss the cut either. He can't miss the cut. That's right. Yeah, just looking at it right now, he was the biggest mover. Uh, Fowler, Rory, and Spieth. Uh, DraftKings points like Brad. I mean, not even really Rory. He finished 21st, and he came like 14th in DraftKings scoring. Yeah, but Spieth, 38th, finished 13th. Uh, Ricky was 28th, finished 20th. And other than that, it was like Cameron Champ. I like Champ this week. A lot, actually. I, I like him at these shorter. Sh- you just think, like, oh, bomb, bombs away, but he plays well at these shorter courses. He does uh, the par fives. She, I mean, he should be able to. I, I don't know. We always say Bryson hits driver wedge. It's probably not going to be like that, but like he might be hitting driver eight iron or seven iron into a lot of these. And with five of them, which I can only think of Monterey Peninsula as the other course on the PGA tour that they play that has five par fives. I mean, I, I, I do like a guy that can bomb it out there. He has a skill set, and, and, and we've talked about this before. I think Pat, like he's not necessarily just a one trick pony anymore. He, he has the driver, but like, he's not great in the other aspects, but he's a lot better than he used to be. So let's talk some bets. Who are you betting this week? Cause I'm betting burger burger and Nah are my first two 39 to one and 150 to one. I'm going to throw Ben and, on there as well at 200 to one. I'll play the top 10 on Na and Anne as well. I got to figure out the rest of my card though. So I started at Patrick Reed. I got him at 25 to one. Um, I got Joaquin Neiman as mentioned at 50. And then I have a, a top 10 on Sebastian Munoz that I got at six to one. That is where I'm at right now. I would kind of like to add something longer than that. Okay. So historically, Pat, and let's, let's talk about this. I mean, some of these, you know, like WGCs and, and events like this, we always say the cream rises to the top. Coke rack kind of broke that a little bit last week. I, I wonder if, if we're, if it's a course that we're not always playing, if that levels the playing field enough that some of these guys at, you know, your 150 to one or your hundred to one, if they have uh you know, a better chance this week than if it was a place that we played every single year. What's the best champ number I can find? Why aren't they showing me the full odds here? So 125, 140. Where is Champ on this list? Uh, I, I wish the, about 150. 80 here. Well, that's not. <laughs> I think I'll take the 140. <laughs> yeah, if you have the option between 80 and 140, I'd say so. Yeah, so I'll take the 140 on Champ. I'll take the 200 on Ann. I got the 150 on Nah. I'll play those guys with. I'll probably only play a champ with the top. Eh, what's his top 10? I'll go look into his top 10. I'll release my cheat sheet after this. But like at the top, I'm, I might just go. I, I, can I handle not betting Morikawa and him winning this week? Can I, can I, can that happen to me? <laughs> um, you couldn't, ha- I mean, it could happen, but you couldn't handle it. You, you imagine how you'd feel on Sunday evening, which is like, he's got all the upside in the world to win it. He's starting to look like himself again. You talked about it. Like, yeah, I, I, I think you probably have to get in on that. I don't like it. Don't like it one bit. 18 to 1 or 20 to 1. No, I got 18 to 1 is probably the best number I can find right now on Morikawa. I got I do, can find Reed at 27, though. I think I'll, I'll play Reed at 27. That's a good number. And it's not like I'm each weighing these guys at this low. So I'll go, yeah, fuck it. I'll go Morikawa. God, I'm such a donkey when it comes to this shit. <laughs> betting, with my, betting with my emotions. Listen, I, he can... It would take him now, I think, what did I add it out? Um, 41 more consecutive losses of me betting on him for me to break even on Colin Morikawa. So, you know, I I owe him some cash here. So I'll go Morikawa, 
Reed, Berger, I think those are the same three guys that uh, Feinberg ended up betting. And I'll go Ann, Champ, and Nah from the back end. What's Corey Connors? He's got to, I mean, he's, he hasn't been good. He's got to be pretty deep. Yeah, I want to add, yeah, I see him at 150. I don't know what you have access to. I want to get, I want to get some of these longer guys in here too. Maybe uh, I, I, the Champ thing's kind of interesting. So I'll probably get in on Champ as well. I want somebody down here too. Yeah, but 150 is the best number I can find on Connors. I'll probably pass on Connors just play him on DraftKings. Seems to be the prudent move. It's like Jason Day. I kind of want to bet Jason Day after we talked about it. It's like, no, the whole point is to get leverage on him on DraftKings. Right, exactly right. Yeah, the, the 3% Jason Day, not the outright version of Jason Day. Yeah, okay. So Morikawa, I'm going to keep shopping for a 20, but 18 as it stands right now, and I will be in on that. Berger at 39, Reed at 27. On at 200 with a top 10 and a top 5. Champ, 140 with a top 10 and a top 5. Nah, at 150. Um, I missed the good numbers on the top 10 and top 5, but I'll probably bet the top 10 anyway because that's like Kevin Nah's speed. Oh, yeah, just like backdoor himself at T9 on by gaining nine strokes on Sunday. That's what putting. we're looking, like, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's, what we're that's, looking that's, for here. That's a Kevin Nah <laughs> game plan. What's actually, you know what, the, the last one I actually want to look into is what is Fitzpatrick's odds? Now he's 33 to 1. Pass. 35. Yeah, yeah, I saw no. him at 35. I'm not going to be doing that. No. All right. That will do it. 2020 Zozo Championship. Pick some preview. Rick, what do you got going on? Because you're doing these shows every single day. Yeah, so uh, rickrungood.com for all your data and visualizations. Uh, the Rick Run Good YouTube channel's got you know, DFS, betting previews, fades, sleepers, and then uh, the CBS Sports uh, podcast that I host, it's called The First Cut. We're going uh, basically six days a week over there. So round-by-round round recaps, they're like 10 minutes or less, very digestible content, uh, which is what we're doing here in the swing season. So it's uh, just a little something to, to, to listen to before the next round starts. And yeah, I'm, you can hear my voice or see my face everywhere if that tickles your fancy or it might not. I don't know. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at ZPME, or The PME is probably more accurate, and if I don't put an accent on it, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can go to fantasynational.com slash Mayo. Get your monthly. You mean you can do the weekly or do the annual, but the monthly right now gets you through the Masters, get 20% off with slash Mayo at the back end of fantasynational.com, and boom, you're going to be, I don't want to say you're going to be in the money, but you're going to be in the money when it comes to tools and research methods and stats, so I highly suggest you do that. Big prize pools coming up on DraftKings and in the betting market for the Masters and all these tournaments in between as well. Smash the like on the way out, rate and review the podcast, and that'll do it. Cheat Sheet will be up on DraftKingsPlaybook.com. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!